Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. And uh, let me give a little kind of information to go with that. I heard that there's um, some sort of sports ball game today. Is there? Joel's really excited about it because he loves sports ball. Um, <laughs> but like the Simons family, I can see some some theme, but I'm not really sure about it. But obviously, a uh, little football game going on this evening that some of us are pretty excited about. Uh, I want to kind of start out by saying this though. Sports are really nice because sports are really clear. You know whether you're winning or losing. Caitlin's been doing, and Morgan both have been doing uh, indoor track, and it's their first time. So, Caitlin, I've been learning a lot trying to kind of figure out what in the world is happening because it's like controlled chaos. But everything is measured, right? Everything gets measured, and then there's some sort of an announcement that goes over the overhead speaker that says something about you know, who won or what they, what they placed at. So I simply want to point out that sports is nice and clear. We'll know tonight when the Patriots win um, uh, what the score was, and that will be the deciding factor, right? Um, thankfully, Steve Green isn't here, so I can say that. Otherwise, he'd be, he's our Pittsburgh resident, Pittsburgh that I know of. There might be more, but he's, uh, he's at... Um, but most of life, let me say this, is not as clear as sports. We've got to have some measuring points, don't we? We've got to be able to know whether or not we're doing well, whether we're winning or losing, whether we're gaining ground or we're falling behind. And since in our marriage, there's not a scoreboard with a timer that's up there that sits there and says like what the score is, uh, we, we need some different ways to measure in our parenting. We can't just look at our parenting and expect to have the scoreboard be one, you know, either win or lose. Instead, we're going to have to kind of watch the progress. So what I want to point out here is that there's different ways to measure different things. Part of our series here, um, we're going to jump back into First Timothy next week, okay? And, um, but we've spent really kind of, this will be the third week, talking about our direction for Wyndham Baptist for 2017. So the first week, what we talked about was the idea that we need to be people that are in the Word of God. And I want to encourage you, um, the goal that we set out was to be reading God's Word every day. And I even threw out a, a reading plan, which would get you through the entire Bible in one year. If you don't have that, again, we can get you directions on your phone to be able to connect with that. The other thing that we have is even on the back table out near the doors, there's a print copy of the month of January. Now, remember, we said that we were going to do that with a couple important distinctives. One, no guilt. So we're not going back and saying, oh, I missed. You know, you might be sitting there today going, oh, no, I missed like 19 days. Uh, guess what? We're, we're, we're not going with the guilt thing. We're not going to try and make up those 19 days. What I'm going to encourage you to do is to say, pick up today. No guilt, Okay. Um, this is a way that we're going to let grace kind of flow. But what we want to do is we want to be people that are in God's word. You might look at it and go, you know what? I can't do that much every day. It's just not going to happen. That's okay. 
Maybe you take one of those chapters. Maybe you take one of those books, you know. I've uh, been reading through. We had finished up with, with Genesis and, and Daniel. And maybe you look at it and you go, you know what? I can't do both of those at once. I'm not going to read through the whole Bible in a year. You know, now in Acts, it's too much. So I, I, I'm gonna, maybe I'm just going to take one of those each day. Some time in God's Word. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you today, and I want to encourage you, the second factor in this we said was, let's talk about it. Let's share some of the things that we're learning as we go through. So Norm and I got together the other day, and it was just fun to hear the way that God's been working in his life as he's been reading uh, through these sections, tracking along. And he's saying to me, hey, this is a lot for me. This, is, this seems like a lot to be able to get this all done. And I realize it is. Um, on the other hand, we also realize that about 15 minutes a day isn't as huge as we might think. And if we can get into the rhythm of it, we can be people that are in God's Word every day. But let's share with each other. The other reason that it's no guilt, the reason that you don't catch up, is if you are reading, then you get the chance to be able to talk to someone else. And they say, yeah, I was just reading Acts. And go, yeah, I was really struck by this part of that this week, too. Or this is the thing about who God is that really stood out to me this week as I was reading. We want to do that together. So that was the first week we talked about. I just want to encourage you, let's not give up. It's okay. Uh, If you're reading your own reading plan, awesome. Let's just be people that are in God's Word. And let's talk about that with each other. Let's talk about what we're learning. Talk about what we're seeing, okay? So again, if you're that guilty person, let's just write that off, okay? little amnesty, like Scott said. You get to just write it off, and you get to move forward with us. So let's continue to talk about how we're growing there. The second thing that we talked about was the concept of prayer. So, uh, and this was January 8th, so we talked about prayer. Let's be praying and watching. And what I want to encourage you to do is just continually to be, just set aside time, not just when you're driving, not just when the Spirit leads, but let's set some time aside Hopefully, morning for most people seems like the best time for that. But let's take time to intentionally pray. I meant to grab my cards because they're down in my office. But what I do is I've got four by six cards. And I have those written out for some specific people. So obviously for Tracy, uh, for Mark, for Caitlin. Then I've got other people that, you know, groups of people and people that I do. And what I can do is I can flip through those cards as passages of Scripture come up. There's usually promises that I tie to those things. And I sit there and go, hey, here's a promise. You know, this is a reality from God's word that I'm going to pray into Mark's life. This is a reality what I pray into Caitlin's life. Um, I've, got, I've got a card for people that don't like me. Uh, because they, they happen, you know, it happens a lot. And, and so I want to pray for them. Uh, if I know about them, people that I feel like, man, you're against me and they're not really against me. I'm praying for them. I want to pray for wisdom. So I want to encourage you. Uh, can you take that? Can you pray and watch? Are there people that you meet that you kind of go, God connected us for a reason. I want to pray for you. And I don't even know what that reason is, but God, I'm going to watch and I'm just going to keep praying for this person throughout the year. You might get through all your cards that day. You might get through just some of those cards that day. I don't know. It depends on how many cards you got, I guess. But just to take time to invest prayerfully, that's a second calling for us as a church. Because we realize, as we'll see today, prayer isn't preparation for ministry. Prayer is the work. Prayer is the heavy lifting. 
you know, so as Morgan um, is going to, on this missions trip, some of us might feel like, wow, I wish I could go because then I could actually do something. But praying for her, praying for Skyland, praying for the team here from Wyndham, that's work. So let's, let's do that, okay? Let's see who God connects us with. Um, that kind of leads me to what we want to talk about today, but just to mention this, I wanted to make sure I had a chance to mention it. Last week, Tracy and I had a really unique opportunity. Uh, there's a family who's part of the church, and they have a large business that covers really the Northeast to Montreal, Quebec, and throughout. So they actually had a uh, you know, a large gathering of their employees that, you know, were coming together for this thing, and it was down in Danvers, Mass., and they asked me if I would come and just preach the gospel to the group of people that were there. And I talked with the elders about it, and they said that that would be uh, good to do. It's a, it's a blessing to have Matt Dyer preach. We've got such great, gifted young men um, and older men who preach here. But it was a real privilege to get to go and share with about 200 people um, many of them from Vermont that came up and talked to me, many of them from Montreal that came up and talked to me over in Sherbrooke, but the chance to actually again, have a translator and share the gospel with people last week and then have them come back up and talk to me and want to share a little bit about their, you know, about their lives and where they're at. You know, um, it was a real, a real privilege to get to, um, to do that. And you know, I was just thinking um, to ask you, just keep praying for some of the contacts that came out of there. There was one lady named Lisa, and she said, hey, can I just start the dialogue with you? She said, um, I don't go to church. I don't have any religious background. She said, but I, I kind of want to understand more, and you seem like somebody who might be able to help me begin to take some steps with that. So I want to encourage you. Would you just pray for Lisa? Uh, who else? Your neighbors, our friends. That's what, we want to be, that's what we want to be doing. So, so we've set an agenda for this year, for 2017, to say, let's be in the Word, let's be praying. And then as I was thinking about this, I had a great chance to sit down with Kevin Luce. Uh, wasn't it great having the Luce family uh, around here? I hope you guys had a chance to talk with them and connect with them. I had a really neat privilege because I got to just sit down for coffee with him for about two hours, uh, one of those days, and talk. And their heartbeat is so similar to our heartbeat and uh, it's funny to kind of realize that we've been connected for, I mean, like the last 18 years uh, personally with Kevin and Bridget, and um, maybe even longer than that. How long have Jeff and Steph been married now? Okay, so, so I think it's been about 18 that I've been connected to the Luces because I knew them before even Jeff and Steph got married. So, you know, really neat, really neat privilege to get to sit with him and talk. And what, what Kevin um, does is he helps teams of people live on Jesus's mission around the world. And um, the whole family is part of that. But as we were talking, he talked about the fact that they can't just have, they have to really resist, they have to be careful not to just try and grab a program. He was telling me that there's one guy on their team who's part of their mission, which is a fantastic friend of his and, and a real encouragement. He said, but the guy always comes to him and he's always like a a hose. He's always like a, a fire hose full of great new ideas. Here's how somebody's doing this. Here's what's working over here. These guys are doing these things. And he, he listens to all that. And Kevin says, you've got to kind of stop once in a while and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got to just, there's just so many great ideas. But what I'm going to walk away with is thinking that you want me to try all these great ideas that are working other places. 
but we're not other places. We've got to figure out how to live the lives that Jesus wants us to live where we are. And you can imagine that for me, as I'm listening to Kevin talk about that, I'm saying, yeah, that's us too. Because there's so many great um, things that Jesus is doing, obviously across our country, and great churches that we love, people that we're connected to. But part of our thing is to say, not what's working in Hartford, Connecticut, not what's working out in California, and not what's even working in Portland, Maine. But what's God calling us to do? Kevin's answer to me was, instead of building on a specific, say, program, instead of taking what someone else is doing and trying to fit into it, it's like kind of trying to fit someone else's jeans. Uh, instead, of, instead of trying to put on their clothes, we've got to find out what's our size and find something that fits us. He said what they've done is they've identified a few core values that really help drive and clarify. So what I want to do today is I want to look at 2 Corinthians, remind us of our calling, and then I want to identify for you a couple of our core values as a church. Okay? So that's what I want to do. Let's just pray, and then we'll take a look at those uh, briefly. Father, help us today. We love the work that you've done for us. We love that it's because of you and your work, sending Jesus to come rescue us from our sin, our mistakes, our brokenness, the things that we've done to others and what others have done to us. It's because of that that today we can be connected to you and we can know you and we can be close to you and we can talk to you. We can be holy today. Maybe not as holy as we will be someday, but we're holy. And God, we're chosen. And God, we are dearly loved by you. And it's not because of our performance. It's that you're such a good dad that you really love us. So, would you just help us today? Would that free us up so that we can continue to live the lives that you've called us to do as a church family? We love you and we pray it in your name. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to just start here in verse 16. Okay, And it says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now again, I know we're all kind of sitting there going, Oh, I totally know what that means. So let's read a little bit more and then I'll give you a, cl- a quick explanation. He says, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. What's flesh? Yeah, right, Bill. Body, me. You know, like the tangible part of me. So what's he saying? He's saying, I don't sum you up. I don't look at you and decide who you are and what's true about you because of the way you look or because of how much money you have. Or because I assume that you're Republican or Democrat. He says, we don't regard anybody that way anymore. We don't look with the eyes that we used to look at people through. He says, here's his proof. He says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, he's saying, we might have made the mistake because people looked at Jesus and they thought, ah, I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. And when they looked at him, they decided things about him. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people, and people had different agendas. They said, that's who, he says, but we were wrong. We didn't really get it that Jesus was God. There was so much more to him than we understood. If we were wrong on who Jesus was, he says, that's part of why we don't look at people and sum them up anymore that way. 
So in 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Jesus, if anyone has the Spirit of God living in them, he says they are a new creation. There's something completely new. Even if you don't look any different. I mean, even if you look exactly the same. Even if it looks like you haven't changed a bit. What, what Paul is saying is that people who've been made new by Jesus are new. Sometimes I look at other people and I don't see that. But I'll tell you what. A lot of us look at ourselves and we don't see it at all. So I'll give you an example because he's not here. I can pick on Matt Dyer because Matt is a great guy with a great heart. For the last, uh, what, 14 years, he's been leading our youth ministries, working with our youth ministries as a volunteer. He's a gifted preacher and teacher. He's a fantastic guy. But when I asked him last Sunday how to go, because I'm constantly in contact with these guys when they're, when they're preaching, he said it went awful, it went terrible. He says, I don't feel like I have any calling in my life for this, and it was awful. Matt? Is that really true? Yeah, it was terrible. Matt, are you sure it's not just that the enemy of your soul is telling you that you are not good? In other words, that God loves you because of what you've done and you didn't do as good a job as you thought you had hoped to do. So therefore, the enemy of your soul is saying, Matt, you haven't changed a bit. The truth is that Matt has changed amazingly. And then Matt is holy and chosen and dearly loved. And in that moment, he needed to be reminded about who he really was. He needed the gospel given to him, not critical analysis. From what I've heard from you guys, it went really well last week. Good job. So, uh, you know, I, I encourage him if you see him. But I just want you to kind of know this, that it's real easy for us to become critical, to look at somebody and say, well, you're not good enough. You haven't done a good enough job. It's easy for us to pick that way. Paul's saying, look, I don't approach, we don't approach anybody that way because someone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new, behold, the new has come. Verse 18, where does this come from? Not from New Year's resolutions. It comes from God. All this is from God who through Christ, reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the way that Matt became right with God, the way that Matt was adopted into God's family, the way that God looked at Matt Dyer and said, I want that boy to live in my house. I want him to be my son. The way that some of you have done with adoption. He sat there and said, I'll pay whatever price. I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I want Matt for my child. The way that happened is that God initiated that through Jesus. That's why Matt's a new creation. That's why Matt has a new name. That's why Matt is a whole new person. He's got a new family. Same thing for you. If you're in Christ, that's the way God looks at you. Now, it doesn't feel like that every day. Okay, let me ask the question again, because you might have napped off for a second, okay? Um, does it feel like that every day? No. I think there's a group of us that walk around with like hypersensitive guilt, like there's, there's some condition that if someone could treat it, it would actually be really helpful for us, because the last thing we feel is the, the approval and the love and the acceptance of God. 
But the ministry of reconciliation flows out of us knowing that we've been reconciled. So what we sang this morning, what we spoke to each other this morning, this is the reality. That's why every single week, rather than creating some worship experience here so you feel loved, instead we know that that flows through truth being communicated to our souls. So it may not feel amazing. But truth rarely feels amazing. But truth is what transforms you, not feelings. Feelings come into line with what's true. Right? Heck, parent a two-year-old. <laughs> right? Because that parent loves that child amazingly. But does that child always feel loved? Do they always experience something great? No. So what has to happen? That child's experience, their feelings have to come in line with what's actually true, that my parents love me and want what's absolutely best for me. Same thing for us. So, so Paul is saying here, he's saying you're a new creation. All of this newness, all this recreation, all this being connected to God flowed through Jesus who gave himself, and now he gives to us the ministry of reconciliation. So if we go to Nicaragua, God working through these teens' lives and their leaders show the same pattern, the same way that Jesus came to us, they're going to them. And they're going to bring that ministry of reconciliation. Um, And it says this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. To clarify that, he says, this is what happened. The same way that Jesus came to say, listen, there is a way that your sins can be forgiven. There is a way that the selfishness, which is a cancer inside of each one of our souls, can be reversed. There is a way you can finally be essentially the person that you want to be. It's going to take change. It's going to take time but you can be a loving, giving, serving person. And all that came through Christ. And the reason that flows into your life is now you're supposed to take that same good news and extend yourself to give it to somebody else. That's your calling. That's your life. That's why you have a job. That's why you have a family. That's why you have neighbors. That's why you live where you live. So you can do this work of reconciliation. He says, therefore, verse 20, we are actually ambassadors for Christ. We are sent ones. We, recon- you know, we, we go with the same message that that king gives to us, and we bring that to a different culture, to a different people, the people who don't know him, people who haven't experienced that king. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to bring it with us to them. God is making his appeal through us. So God has chosen you to be an ambassador, to be a representative, to be the one who speaks his words, to be the one who shows his actions. We might sit there and think, I'm not good enough for that, or I'm not ready for that. But guess what? God thinks highly enough of you to say, no, you are. You are. I want you to do this work. We're going to feel really weak, We're going to feel really unprepared for this. But that's okay. We're not going on our own. It's that the Spirit of God is with us and sending us and speaking through us. Verse 21. For our sake, 
Oh, wait, I mean, uh, let me do the rest of 20. God's making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Is that not a message that is so important for our world today? We've got protests. We've got lots of division. But what God wants to say to people is you're not going to find your life through your political party being voted into power. You're not going to find your life by having um, maybe less taxes. You're not going to find your life by having uh, more social services. You're not going to find your life by having a president that you voted for or not voted for. Obviously, these are key tensions for our country. What he's saying is you will find your life by being connected to God the Father. That's what you were made for. Be reconciled to him. Know him. So our calling is to bring good news. Now, good news flows out of um, also dealing with bad news. So it's not just, let's just be only talking about like happy things. Good news flows. Caitlin did a report this uh, last week on Tracy's cancer when she was diagnosed and what the treatment was like. So it was interesting for me to get to share with Caitlin details about the whole diagnosis process and what happened and, and these kind of things. But we'll always go back. And I can remember there was a blog post that I'd written for the church about how it was incredibly good news the day that the doctor came and told her that she had cancer. Bad news, but good news. We couldn't deal with anything until we actually knew what the problem was, right? So people who give us good news don't always tell us happy things. But they give us hope. They give us a treatment. That's what we're called to do. So finally, verse 21, it says this, For our sake, here's the summary of that good news. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin. Because he had never known sin before. Where did that sin come from? Where did that come on Jesus? It came from us. Because who knows how to sin? We do. Who knows how to, you know, how to rebel against God? Who knows how to be like a, a two-year-old and, and kind of throw a temper tantrum with God? We do. But God took that sin and put it on Jesus who had never experienced that before. And he goes on this, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus took sin from us. Sin was something he had never experienced before. And instead, he gave to us his righteousness, something that we had never experienced before. So Jesus becomes sin, the penalty for sin, and has to pay the penalty of sin. And yet we become righteous, holy different. That's what we're supposed to know and believe. This is the calling. Let me say this. This is why churches exist. Do you believe that? It's easy for me at times to lose sight because it's easy for me at times in, in the busyness of life to think the reason the church exists is because it's supposed to be a place I like to go. Or uh, the reason a church exists is that I would go there and I would be a really good, you know, they would take really good uh, care of me and I would feel like I got my money's worth. And it's easy in our American culture today to kind of feel like a, a customer. And I can go shop at all sorts of different churches and find the one that I really like. But what I'm saying to you is that the American church 
overall, this is the calling. This is the one calling is to make disciples who are in this process, to make disciples who are reconciliations. That's what we're called to be. That's why we're called to go to different countries. But it's also why we're called to care about people who live right here. We are called to the Lake Region area of Maine. 70,000 people live in a 20-minute drive of this place. Now, in other places in, in the world, that's not many. Okay, that's one neighborhood in most, uh, <laughs> in most cities. But for us, we don't always even think about that. But 70,000 people live within this distance, and Jesus has called us to be agents of reconciliation to bring that to them. Now, churches have to figure out how they're going to do that. How are we going to get that good news out to other people? And some of them say, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And they open the doors, and they do really great things, and people go, yes, let's go in there. Awesome, okay? But Wyndham Baptist, among others around the area, say, well, come here, but not in the building. Come to my house. Come connect with me. Let me go to your house. Let me connect with you. Let me get to know you. Let me really find out who you are. More like a mission team would function in most of our world. So rather than saying, come in those doors right there, that's the key thing. You've got to hear this guy speak. Or you've got to hear these guys play. Our calling as a church is to say, we're going to go out, we're going to live among you. So let me give you then a couple of our core values. These are some of the things. The, the reason that I have to kind of explain these is a little bit like Kevin said. The one nice thing about it, if you say to people, come in the doors and come in here, everything's pretty clear. Because we sit there and we say, okay, if you're in the choir, show up on Wednesday nights from 5 till 8 or 9 or 10. Okay, And I know churches that do this, and they're great. It's a ton of work. And things are always kind of clear. Okay, well, you can't do that. Well... We need people to, to do this part, to build the set. So you guys are going to be here on Thursday nights and you're going to set things up this way. Or we're going to have other people who are part of the counseling core. We're going to come for training you know, on Tuesday nights so that you're ready when this event goes on. There's a great part about that because it's clear. And, and you have people who kind of throw out schedules and you, you can do that. When we say go out and be missionaries on Jesus' mission in your place, what we're calling on you to do is to be the people who look through that and say, this is how we should invest our time. That is a lot harder. Because you're busy. It's hard to maintain. It's hard to oversee that. I can't just say to you, all right, here's the, the kind of classic program. Here's what everybody should do here. There have been evangelism programs that are kind of like that. Here's the steps. Here's what you do. What we have is rhythms of living and then a couple of these core values. And then I'm asking you to kind of look at it, just like I said, um, to figure out what fits you. How do you do this? So that's why we have to have these core values so we can be flexible enough to fit your context and help you figure out how Jesus wants you to do this in your life. Okay? 
I can't just say, all right, everybody do this. Instead, we can give you these ideas. So, so here's the core values that I just want to kind of flow out to you. First, our, one of our first core values, one of the important things for us at Wyndham Baptist Church is reaching the lost with the saving news of Jesus Christ. That is what our life is. It's the central value of Wyndham Baptist Church. Notice it's reaching. Notice it's reaching people with specific good news. There's lots of people in this area who have some religious background, but they don't really know what they think about Jesus. We don't force anyone to believe anything. We can't force anyone to believe anything. We use no manipulative tactics. We use no hard, you know, heavy-handed kind of tactics. Uh, we don't go out and... I can literally remember growing up, sometimes guys would talk about, you know, these evangelists would come in, they'd be like, oh, I had this guy, and, you know, he's this big football player, and he'd walk up to people, grab them by the scalp of the neck, and be like, do you know who Jesus is? You know, and you're thinking, I don't think that's a good way to do this. Intimidation and force is no way to get someone to understand who Jesus is. But we realize that there's a lot of people around here who maybe have some sense of Jesus, but they haven't responded positively yet to who Jesus is. They don't understand the gospel well. The other reality here is that we're not interested in trying to pull from other churches. We don't want to move people from other places to come here in our doors. And our heartbeat is the lots and lots of people who live around us who don't know Jesus or don't have a positive impression of him. That means that ministry is going to have to be done differently. I say it all the time, but my neighbors are not interested in showing up to church yet. But they love to spend time with us and our family. We love to get to talk about these types of things. They're trying to figure out more about who Jesus is. But the church context for them, they're not ready for that. Just like a missionary, though, in any other country, we go to people, we connect with people, we eat meals with other people, we spend time with other people because I want for them, A, they're my friend, but B, I would love for them to know who Jesus really is. I'm not going to bring them to hear a special speaker. God decided for some reason to use someone as weak as I am. What I love, though, in our church is that so many of you are in exactly the same place. Yeah, we feel weak. We feel like we don't know what we're doing. But I see so many of you that are rearranging your lives because you want to see people come to know Jesus. And the fact that they're not interested in coming to your church, the fact that they may not agree with your political view, the fact that they may not be from the same background or have experienced the same things that you have, that's not deterring you. I love hearing the stories. When we do our family meetings, our quarterly meetings, the first thing we talk about is, all the people that you're connecting with. That's because that's our first core value is that reaching the lost with the saving news of Jesus Christ is most important for us. Here's a second core value. Ministry flows out of being. What we are has the biggest bearing on what we do. Bottom line, we can only really offer what moves us, what we have, what's ours. Mature ministry comes from a mature relationship with the Lord. So as important as serving is, as important as 
being there to help with junior church, as important as, you know, as, as meeting with our missional community is. All these things are really important. But the bottom line is that your personal relationship with Jesus is really the most essential part of your life. Now, I don't think we're going to have a healthy relationship with Jesus if we're not connected with others. But how are you nurturing your relationship today with Jesus? That's why we need to be in the Word. That's why we need to be in prayer. That's why we need to connect with other people, right? It's so fun. You know, uh, I had a conversation this morning. It was just really neat to hear how the Spirit is working in some of your lives and encouraging and strengthening and building you up. Man, that's what I love to hear about. So let's keep making sure that when we share Jesus with others, it's not because it's the right message. It's because it's the message that's transforming our lives. So have that personal, healthy relationship. Third one. Okay, so uh, reaching the lost with the saving news of Jesus Christ. Second, ministry flows out of being. Third, I stole this term from, uh, from Timo, actually. They use the term teamship. I liked it. I thought that's a pretty good term. They say, they will know we are Christians by our love. And as Jesus told his disciples, functioning as a loving, committed team is an eloquent testimony of who we are following. And then Timo says this, teamship is critical. Teamship is critical. We want to help uh, encourage our members here to be this... um, healthy team learning how to love each other, how to care for each other, how to encourage each other's spiritual growth. Um, We're asking you to love and commit to each other, not just to some techniques, not just to a pattern, but to actually saying, hey, let me give my life to you. Let me care about you and love you. So teamship. Um, Fourth one. Let's keep being learners. So, so we bring learning attitudes. Now, there's part of this that's going to be here, and then there's another one that's going to kind of follow up this. But this learning attitude means that when I go to meet with other people, when we go to connect with other people, we may know something that they don't know about the gospel. But there's still a lot for me to learn from listening to them. I'm not the guy who has all the answers. I actually need to learn more about my community, about the places that there are needs. I need to understand people's perspectives, why this is hard. I need to know what they're going through. So I need to be a good listener. So it's important for us that we have these learning attitudes when I connect with people rather than uh, teaching attitudes as I connect with people. The fifth one is lifestyle and proclamation evangelism. Living the truth of the gospel message and verbally saying the same message should really be two sides of the same coin. I know for some of us, this is the hardest one. We know how to live it. But boy, speaking, risking, sharing who Jesus is and what God's done for us, sharing the nature of the gospel. For some of us, we feel like, man, the second I say that, this friend might reject me or walk away from me but we realize that no one's going to come to know Jesus by our good actions. No one will come to faith just by our good actions. There needs to be a proclamation. There needs to be a clarity in speaking about who Jesus is. 
So this is a core value of ours. Now, one of my friends pointed out to me, the worst mistake you can make living in a missional life is connect with people and kind of leave God and Jesus out of it. Because then you go through all this life, you've built this whole relationship, you've talked about the Patriots, you've bonded about your favorite hobbies, you've done all these things together, and then you're always sitting there thinking, how do I bring Jesus into this now? I don't know how to do it. So instead, let's just start out early throughout the process, making sure that they understand about our faith. And let's talk about it and let's make that part so it's not awkward or strange later on. So that's why we have to say lifestyle and proclamation evangelism. It's both. Number six, we live among those whom we seek to minister to. Casco is a really different town than Raymond. You notice that? Right? Or, or, or Gorham is pretty different from Bridgeton. They've got different cultures. God's called us to reach into Wyndham and Poland and Raymond and Gorham and Bridgeton and Gray. But each of these places are a unique people group and God's called us to love them and live among them to know them, to be connected to them where we're at. Now, we think through two different parts. We think through networks and neighborhoods because they're the two evangelistic opportunities that tend to be out there for us as we live on mission. Obviously, neighborhood makes a lot of sense. Networks are, at times, though, like I look at where we are at Wyndham High School, you know, with Caitlin's athletics. That gets us a network of people who don't live in the same town as us, but it's this great network of people that we get to know. You know, at, at times when we think through how do we share our faith, it's going to flow through either network or neighborhood. But we want to be people who live inside of our community. This is why we don't pack up here and drive to Portland to go do ministry. doesn't mean we don't ever do that. But our primary ministry is the town we live in, right? It, it's important for us. Morgan's going to have a great time getting to go to Nicaragua, but she's also got this incredible ministry right here inside of Wyndham High School. She's so connected with people. And it would be a shame if, or for, imagine if she went to Nicaragua, she came back and she's like, I can't wait to go back to Nicaragua. I can't wait to go back to Nicaragua. And she, she gave up on the friends that she's connected to here. That would be a shame for their friends. So we just want to sit there and say, hey, Let's really focus on the neighborhoods that we live in, bringing the gospel to them. Uh, finally, uh, seven, relationships, relationships, relationships. Core value. All of our ministry work involves relating. We need a good relationship with Jesus, right? We need a good relationship with our teammates. And um, one, of our, one of our designs for that would actually be in missional communities. We need good relationships with other missional communities and other people that are part of our church. We want to have good, healthy relationships with them. We want to have good relationships with other churches throughout the area. We want to support them and encourage them. So we just look at all of life as relationships. My buddy Dave Garda, who was out here for my installation, you know, he, he wrote a series of books, but the one is called um, Discipleship is Relationships. The second one called Evangelism is Relationships. The third is called Ministry is Relationships. 
Any kind of theme maybe flowing out of this? It's not program. It's not a certain set of skills. Relationships are critical to doing all of these things. Number eight, prayer is ministry. Prayer is not what we do before we go and minister. Prayer is kingdom work. It's the battle itself. It's not just preparation for the battle. We emphasize prayer throughout our lives. So are we building a base to pray for our neighbors? Are we building a base to pray, you know, for for those that are sick, to pray for those that are hurting? Are Are we working in prayer to live that out? And then finally, I just want to say this. This is the second half of that learning part. Training is for a lifetime. We need to be people who continue to need investment. We need to be people who realize that what we learned in the past is not enough and that we become lifelong learners. It's this continual upward spiral of spiritual, emotional, and mental growth. That's what we need. This is the day and age where we kind of feel like we don't need that anymore. We kind of feel like if I need to know it, I can find it on Google. But I need people to be investing in me so that I can continue to spiritually grow. I need to hear the Word of God. I have literally sat with someone. They're not here, so don't worry about it. Uh, You don't have to wonder about who it is inside of our church said this. But I can remember sitting with a young guy one time talking about reading his Bible. He's like, well, I read it once. I kind of know what's in it. That's a major mistake for us. So these are at least some of our core values. We want to reach the lost with the saving news of Jesus. Ministry flows out of being. Teamship. We bring learners' attitudes. Lifestyle and proclamation evangelism. Living among those whom we seek to minister. Relationships, relationships, relationships. Prayer is ministry and training is for a lifetime. These are the things that kind of sum up some of the areas. And I'm so helpful for Kevin to share that. Because what that means is that we can take that and look at our lives today and say, all right, if, relation, if, if evangelism, if sharing the good news of Jesus is critical, God, what do you want me to do with that today? If teamship is critical, then how am I going to find teamship? This helps us because it doesn't tell us everything, when we should do it, where we should do it but it gives us a good mindset to say some of the things that we do need to do. A couple things that I want to see flowing out of this then. I really want to see us as a church continue to pray in a way that sometimes existing established churches don't. Do you realize that established churches on average see about 1% of people come to know Jesus in a year? We're probably right on that track. So if you have 100 people, you can expect to see probably one person come to know Jesus. Church plants. What was the number, Josh? Wasn't it like almost 15%? A church plant expects to see 15 to 20% of people come to know Jesus in a year. Why does a church plant get to see, say, 15 to 20 people if they've got 100 come to know Jesus and we only get to see one? I don't think there's any rule that makes it that way. 
I just think sometimes when we're in existing church, we, we are so busy taking care of what's happening in here that we forget to live on mission. A church plant tends to look up and go, hey, there's seven of us. <laughs> you know, uh, we really should add some other people here, so let's start reaching out to people. It's more of the life. There's less of the other stuff that keeps them busy, and there's more of a focus. They're probably part of a church plant because they want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see us this year come to see, Jesus, see people to know Jesus. I want to see us continue to live out, and you guys have been so passionate about this. It was neat because Kevin, as we were talking about it, um, was kind of struck um, by the carrier's missional community. Because as he talked to them, in a sense, they don't always use the language that young people use about missional community. They don't always you know, portray all of the exact type of things. But you take this list of core values, he said, they get it. That group is constantly reaching out to people, seeing people come to know Jesus. They're reaching out. If you looked at this from an outside mindset, you might look at it and say, well, that group isn't doing anything. But when you stop to look and listen and watch, you sit there and go, man, that's a group that has really got it. Our snowbird missional community, kind of look at them, and it might be easy to look at them and say, well, here's a bunch of older people. They're only here for six months out of the year, if that. Um, and yet you really see a group there that really gets it. You see inside of our missional communities people who are doing this. We're learning. We're growing. We don't have this all down yet. But I just want to see the same way that I, I think you do. I want to begin with prayer that God would begin to break through some hearts of some people that you've been meeting with and talking with, people that you would love to see come to trust Jesus. I would love to see you do that. I'd love to see that work. But I'm going to say this, prayer is probably the key component that right now really needs to be emphasized as part of that. The second thing that I want to see for us is to grow in our training abilities. You know, Josh would set up these really great kind of training opportunities, these classes, these, these other things like that. Our other, other leaders here would do the same types of things, but there really was some sense that kind of hit us where people said, that's a great idea. Somebody should show up for that. Somebody needs that. But I can tell you it's pretty disappointing in that there must be some sense to which a false reality has hit us where we think, I don't have time for that or I don't need that. So I'm just asking as a church, would we pray through that? Would, would we just be willing to go to God and say, God, is there any part of me that might be a little too proud to think that I need someone else to invest in my life that way? Would you be willing to go to God and, and just ask for that insight? Now, we've got great teachers here. We've got really gifted people, men and women. When we talk through elders and, and then deacons and stuff like that, we're going to see some more of that. What I want to make sure is that we're not hurting ourselves by thinking that we don't need that. Okay? So could we just, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to ask God, God, 
is there any part of me that doesn't feel like this is important? Am I missing something? Is there, is there something going on here? Would you show that to me if there is? So we've got some, some marching orders for this year. Notice I didn't tell you what time to meet. Notice I didn't tell you what street we're going to go to. Notice what I did was I said, hey, as a group of great people with strong leaders, let's organize around these principles. Let the elders help you as much as we can. I'm learning. I grew up in a system where the church was supposed to be all just holy people. You weren't supposed to have unbelieving friends. We were supposed to share the gospel somehow. The only way I could figure out was literally there was one time I was reading this thing where somebody took a hot air balloon and they wrote the gospel on tracks and they threw them out at people. That was my plan when I was 10. That was how I was going to actually live out the gospel. That was the only way I could figure out when I thought through the tensions of how I was supposed to share my faith. So I do not claim to be able to go, hey, I know how to do all this. I wish I could. I have been spending the last eight years of my life really trying to walk through this to say, Jesus, how do I change? Can you lead me? Can you help me? Can you help me become what I know that I'm supposed to be? I wish I could be an expert. I can't. But God doesn't really need experts because he knows how to do it. He needs responsive people. It's a different model. It's a different look. It asks a lot of you. I realize that. But it also rewards a lot of you. So let's keep going that direction, okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, help us today. Help us not to uh, grow weary in this. Instead, uh, help us not to feel like nothing's happening in this. Instead, help us to be able to recognize that you are at work and that you have transformed us so much already as a church. God, we want to see this whole area saturated with people who know you. We want to see all of our friends connecting with, uh, with people who know you. We want to see people getting a real image of who you are, Jesus. We realize that for a lot of my friends, they tasted something like religion when they were growing up. They learned some things about you, but they've walked away from that. It doesn't mean that they don't want to know you. They just want to come. They're going to need someone to go to them rather than them coming to church. So, Jesus, would you help us be those people? Would you help us to be ambassadors? That's what we want to be. We can't do it without you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.